what if you're not looking to grow a community, but rather to join one? Here are some of the things to look out for. Details. Are you clear on exactly what you're going to get and when? Are there regular sessions or calls? Will the founder be hosting these or will they be delegated to other members of the team? If what's attracted you to join the community in the first place is the founder, how present are they going to be inside the group? How many members are there? It's not always a case of bigger is better. Some of the best communities I've joined have been small but mighty. More on that later. Welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you all about online offerings. So we're going to be covering online memberships, courses and programs, what the differences are between them and how to identify which one's right for you and crucially, which ones are not. So let's dig in. Hello and welcome back to the Audience Growth Podcast. And on today's solo episode, I'm going to walk you through some of the options available today that should help you to grow your business, your network and hopefully your audience too. I say hopefully because, as I'm sure you're aware, if you've ever joined an online course or program, not all of them are created equal and not all experts have as much experience as they might lead you to believe. Side note, it's not all about money either. I've lost count of how many times I've seen programs promising six or seven figure business growth or 10k months. And I don't know about you, but A, I'm motivated by other factors too, such as freedom, and B, Even if I was looking to increase the figures in my business, it would be to increase profit, not turnover alone. But I digress. So let's get back to the topic of this episode. I thought it was important to go through the different online offerings that you may have come across. Define what each one is usually all about. Again, I say usually because some online businesses deliver these offerings in different ways and there can be a lot of crossover. And then I'm going to walk you through my experiences having joined and hosted some of these different types of digital offerings. First up, I want to clarify why I'm such a firm believer in being a joiner. I first heard it termed this way in Rachel Rogers' book, We Should All Be Millionaires. I've linked to that in the show notes. Being a joiner is about not hanging back, jumping in with both feet to opportunities to expand your network. If you've already listened to episodes three and nine of this podcast, episode three with Gavin Quirk of Netflix and episode nine with Andy Lambert of Content Cal, who were recently acquired for an undisclosed price, although Bloomberg reported this to be more than $100 million, then you'll know that they both credit their network as one of the key factors in their success. But have a listen to those episodes to hear why neither of them would actually describe themselves as successful either. So, You're ready to discover the benefits of being a joiner. Where do you begin? First up, let's define a digital offering. That's a digital product that's delivered online. And today I'm going to be covering those digital products that are delivered within a group setting. So primarily memberships, online courses, and digital programs. Let's start with memberships. I bet most of you listening have been part of an online membership, particularly since the pandemic. 2020 really was a boom time for membership hosts as more people than ever before were searching for that connection that had so suddenly been ripped away from us due to global lockdowns. In fact, I joined my first online membership in 2016 
which was the Female Entrepreneur Association, FEA for short, led by Carrie Green. And I've been a member ever since. I've been down to FEA Christmas parties in London and also went on the first ever FEA retreat, which was held in Mallorca in 2017 or 18, I can't quite remember now. And the reason I mention that is that having an in-person element to a membership has always been an important factor for me. And it's one of the main reasons that I'm still a member of FEA today. I got to know the founder, her family, and I really feel part of that membership, even though it's grown to almost 6,000 entrepreneurial women today. Another reason that I'm unlikely to leave is that I'm on a price for life, meaning that the price I was charged on joining will never increase despite years going by since then. This is another factor that I believe is worth mentioning because it's a really great way to retain your members if you're thinking of starting and running a membership community. As with most things in business, as well as in life, there are many ways you can skin a cat. And I've been in membership communities hosted in Facebook groups, on purpose-built platforms, and via online tools such as Slack. As always, there are positives and negatives about each, but at the moment, I'm really enjoying being off social media. Now, that might sound like a strange thing for a marketing person to say, but trust me, there's a lot more to marketing than just social media. And when it comes to paid communities, I think it helps your members get the most out of the community when it exists somewhere that is purpose-built. FEA exists to, and I quote, help you build a wildly successful business. And as well as the thriving global community, there's also a purpose-built website with regular live online events, monthly masterclasses, and learning pathways to help you decide where to begin and what to focus on according to where you are in business. This example is an extremely well-developed membership, as you would expect when it's grown to be such a big business over the years. And it includes gamification, rewarding you for engaging on the website, commenting, interacting with other members, and so on. These are all things you want to think about if you're starting your own membership community. But what if you're not looking to grow a community, but rather to join one? Here are some of the things to look out for. Details. Are you clear on exactly what you're going to get and when? Are there regular sessions or calls? Will the founder be hosting these or will they be delegated to other members of the team? If what's attracted you to join the community in the first place is the founder, how present are they going to be inside the group? How many members are there? It's not always a case of bigger is better. Some of the best communities I've joined have been small but mighty. More on that later. Also, are you looking to follow a learning pathway like the one in FEA? Or are you more interested in making connections and growing your network? If so, then you'll need to make sure the community you're thinking of joining includes plenty of opportunities for that. Will there be an in-person element? While I'm hugely aware that the pandemic opened up the concept of doing business online to a far wider audience, I no longer have to persuade my clients to do our sessions via Zoom, it's a given. I'm still a huge fan of meeting people in person. I really believe that this helps cement the relationships that we're all forging online. So that's something that I always look out for when investigating memberships to join. Another example of this was when I travelled down to the New Forest in September last year, my first trip since the start of the pandemic, to join fellow members of Fleur Emery's Real Work community for three days at Camp Real Work. What made that trip so worthwhile was greeting people who'd all met online during the pandemic in person for the very first time and doing normal things like going to the beach, walking in the forest and co-working in a local pub. These, in my opinion, are the things that make for great memories. We can't rely on Zoom for those. 
Real Work is another membership that I've been part of for over a year now, and it's one of the small but mighty groups I referred to earlier. As you'll know if you've listened to episode six of this podcast, Real Work's raison d'etre is to democratise learning for women and support them to do work on their own terms. What a great mission. The reason I joined Real Work was largely due to Fleur's dynamism. I'd seen her on Instagram, I knew she had great credentials and a brilliant personality. And the reason that I'm such a loyal member is also that the women in there, including Fleur, seem to be more experienced and ambitious than in other memberships I've been a part of. The community is engaged and responsive. I get questions answered quickly and enjoy receiving feedback on any advice I've given to others. Plus, Fleur does things properly. She invests in diversity, inclusion and equity. She has a team, a board, shareholders. I'm one of them. And real work is pending B core status. All things that align with my attitude of, if you're going to do something, do it properly. I've also been hired by other members of real work. I've been supported by many who've shared my offerings with their audiences. They've joined me on my free challenges. And just today, in fact, I've begun working with Fleur on the marketing strategy for real work. So expect to hear me talking about this community again in the near future. A third membership I really enjoy being a part of is Found and Flourish. Founded by Lara Sheldrake, I joined Found and Flourish at the start of the pandemic. Lara did a great job of building up excitement by opening up a waiting list and having a strict deadline to join. I did and now have the founder price for life. I know I mentioned this already, but I really love this strategy. Psychologically, it just works. One of the best things about Found and Flourish is their monthly networking event, Hugs and Brunch. What I like most about this is the fact that you can get to know a small number of people on a deeper level through breakout rooms, but there's also a host holding the whole event together, so it just runs really smoothly. Found and Flourish also host in-person events like co-working and networking across the country. There's probably one not too far from where you are. And who knows, if you're local to Edinburgh, then maybe you'll see one starting up here soon. So these are three of the memberships I'm part of at the moment. But what I haven't shared is how much research it took me to find them and how much time and money I spent joining other online memberships before striking gold with these ones. It was a lot on both counts. Maybe you can shortcut some of that time and money by signing up to either FEA, Real Work or Find and Flourish on my recommendation. You might even join all three like me. If you do join any of them, I'd love to see you in there. And if you join Find and Flourish via the link in the show notes, you'll be supporting this podcast as that's my affiliate link. Next up, online courses. I won't spend too long on this section because I covered some of the issues that I think exist with online courses in 2022 in a previous episode, episode number eight. However, I do want to define what an online course is and how it differs to an online community or program. An online course doesn't usually include live delivery. So what I mean by that is that there's not usually a live webinar, training or Q&A call included on any regular basis. To me, an online course has the least involvement of any digital product. That's not to say it takes the least amount of work to create, far from it. But once it's been created, a course can generally be sold on repeat until the creator decides to re-record any or all of the modules, at which point it can simply be updated and sold again. The appeal of an online course for the creator is that technically it can become recurring income. Once you've invested the initial effort, you just have to keep promoting it to make sales. I say just in inverted commas because I know that you know that promoting your offerings is a huge part of making sales. 
However, the fact remains that you can create an online course once and go on to sell it multiple times if you do it right. The appeal of an online course for the participant, to my mind, is largely down to two things, cost and convenience. However, I often think that the convenience aspect is a bit of a red herring because it's so convenient that once we've bought a course with no deadline, we might never actually do it. Completion rates for online courses are crazy low, as low as 5% sometimes, and I know that I've been in the other 95% more than once. So how can you make sure you're spending your money wisely and pick a course that you're likely to actually complete? Here are a few things to look out for. Number one, pick a course that solves an immediate need. Don't kid yourself that you're going to get round to completing that self-study SEO course if you'd rather poke needles in your eye. Don't bother signing up for it in the first place and save up to outsource instead. Have a good think about what you and your business really need right now. And only if you find a course that solves this problem is it the right time to invest. Otherwise, you can guarantee that you'll be joining me in that other 95% of course buyers too. Number two, pick a course that's presented by someone you really like. I've bought online courses that I like the look of only to then dig into the first module and realize that I either don't like the presenting style of the course creator or sometimes I just can't listen to their voice for too long. Other times, often, if I'm completely honest, I've been disappointed to discover that the course that I was so excited to start is actually pretty boring. A great presenter with good energy levels will make all the difference. Try and check them out on their social media platforms, their podcasts, or maybe on YouTube before investing so that you can almost try before you buy. Number three, pick a course that you actually need. This might sound like a strange recommendation, but it's based on my lived experience. I've bought more courses than I care to admit that I just didn't need, including, as recently as last year, a course on how to grow an email list. I mean, I teach this stuff. But the creator very cleverly made it sound like she had extra secrets to share and I fell for it, hook, line and sinker. Boiler alert, I quickly realised there were no extra secrets. As women, we're particularly vulnerable to doubting ourselves or convincing ourselves that other people know better. Learn from my mistake and trust your instincts when it comes to working out whether you actually need that course or not. If there's any doubt in your mind, then hold off, sleep on it, do some more research and don't be taken in by what are so often false deadlines. As you can probably tell, online courses are not my favourite type of content to consume. They're not my favourite type of digital support. They're not my favourite type of digital product to deliver either, mainly because of the lack of contact with the course participants. I love to know that what I'm delivering is making a genuine difference, and it's really hard to gauge that from a one-off course. I've never once been asked by the email list course creator whether my email list has actually grown. So what is my favorite type of digital offering? I think it's probably online programs. I've both hosted and been a part of business accelerators and online programs since 2015. And what makes these so great to consume and deliver is the customer experience. As part of an online program, you should get access to live delivery with the program host, as well as an engaged online community. In the case of my online programs, I also love to be reactive to members' needs. For example, one of the things I've been discussing with members of my business accelerator is outsourcing. So I'm going to add in a session on how to outsource as part of the program within the next few months. Programs are generally also long enough that they can be adapted over time and based on customers' needs as they arise. 
In the case of My Accelerator, The Charge, it's a 12-month program, which means that we build strong relationships and really get to know each other. And I can identify the group's needs over time because these won't stay the same throughout a full year. And I can then respond to those needs by being nimble and flexible. The Charge is my online business accelerator for entrepreneurial women. It's for you if you've been building your business online for a while, you know how much you're capable of, but you also recognize that you're human and need some gentle but firm guidance to get you to where you want to be faster. The Charge is made up of built-in structured accountability, a strong community of entrepreneurial women and expert business and marketing guidance on tap, literally on tap. I'm in our online community every single day. Drop me an email to nikki at nikkihutchison.com if you'd like to hear more or head to the link in the show notes. Another example from my business is my online program, Audience Growth Club, which is a shorter program. It's five weeks and includes two live sessions with me per week, a training followed by a Q&A. And it's backed up with an online community in between. I absolutely love delivering this program because it's a long enough commitment for participants to really benefit from the program, but short enough that they can stay energized throughout. And I don't feel like I've overcommitted in terms of blocking out my diary at certain times every single week. When Audience Growth Club is running, that's one of the only times of the year that I schedule regular workshops in on a Friday, as I generally like to try and keep that day clear. Personally, I don't delegate any of the course delivery or support to other people. My pet hate is when you sign up to a program only to discover that the person you thought was going to be leading that program isn't anywhere to be seen and they've delegated the group coaching or delivery to someone else. That's why I like to stay as present as I possibly can. So let's wrap this up and cover off some of the things to look out for when you're choosing an online program. Is the course leader going to be the person delivering 100% of the course content? If not, then who will it be? How long does the program last and is it going to fit into your schedule? If you have a seasonal business, then you probably don't want to join a group program that's going to be really intense during your busy season. Otherwise, you risk not being able to be as present as you want to be. What is the big outcome that the program promises and is it something that you need? I find that accountability is a major requirement when it comes to my audience. Someone recently asked me for a hardcore ass-kicking. And while I definitely won't be delivering that in person, I also recognize the value of accountability because it works for me in my business too. If it's a group program, you need to know what size are the groups. This is going to have a huge effect on the style of learning and support that's provided. Small groups are great for intense accountability as are programs where the leader is highly visible. I don't know about you, but I'm not motivated to give 100% to a program if I don't feel held accountable and the host won't know either way. In today's episode, we've covered online memberships, online courses and group programs. And I hope that it's given you an insight into this range of digital offerings. While it's clear that the offerings that include live delivery are my personal favorite, both as a participant and a program leader, that's not to say there isn't a place for online courses. There absolutely is. These can be a great way to discover what it's like to learn from someone before making the decision to invest in one of their higher ticket offerings. As a course creator, this is also a great way to let your potential customers discover more about you 
your delivery style and the knowledge that you have to impart, helping them to get to know you better and to progress along the customer journey. Which is your favourite? Online memberships, courses or programmes? Or maybe a mix of all three? I'd love to hear from you, so send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. If you'd like to dig even further into ways you can grow your business this year, then sign up to join my free sessions that I'm going to be hosting every Thursday lunchtime throughout April. To get all the details, all you need to do is sign up to my email list and the link is in the show notes. And that's it until next time. Thanks for joining me today on the Audience Growth Podcast and I hope to welcome you back next week. But before then, a quick reminder, if you find this episode useful, please share it with your entrepreneurial friends and leave me a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to do that, I've got reels explaining just that over on Instagram. See you next time. Thanks for listening in today. And don't forget to join me again next week when I'll be interviewing Andrew and Pete. Andrew and Pete are marketing experts, hosts of the Atomic Online Membership, Atomicon Digital Marketing Conference, where I have been an attendee for the past three years, either virtually or in person. They are authors of two books and keynote speakers around the world. So make sure you join us next week. 